I think I was 11 years old, Carrie, when I was a ball boy at Adelsburg Eagles senior team's were games. You? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, I, what I remember was they were playing with a bigger ball and a bit, you know, heavier and harder ball. Mm-hmm. And I had such a easy time to juggle. I think I even broke my personal record with that ball. Mm-hmm. It was easy to keep it in the air somehow. And at that game, a soccer player, Abgar Barson, was there and watching his old team. Abgar Barson went from forward, he played for Urbro Esco, he played for Hugh Gordon and other teams in Nordic countries. Yeah. And shortly after this game, Hugh Gordon came to Urbro to play a friendly game in the preseason. And we were five, six friends that went out and watched this game. And he actually remembered us because he was the same kids, right? They went to the game. Mm. He remembered us in the halftime where we were playing around with the ball. Mm. And uh, it was like the first time I kind of met a player that has a profile. But that really inspired me. That really gave me some type of desire or wish to become a soccer player. Because I was talking to... A soccer player right there and then. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any memories or similar memories to something like that? Not me personally, no. Not that I could think of. Uh, maybe I did. I can't honestly can't remember. I feel like that's something I would remember. I do remember a Silverbacks game one time. That was uh, actually a championship game for this while they were playing the second division and the old, the new NASL. Yeah. This is actually just maybe five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were playing the Cosmos, New York Cosmos, Oof. and. Shep Messing, who is a commentator for Cosmos Games, he's a soccer analyst, and he's also a goalkeeper during the 70s mm-hmm. for the Cosmos and for the U.S. national team. He was one of the earlier, in the past 30, 40 years, he's one of the earlier American soccer players that kind of made a name for himself. Interesting, yeah. yeah. And he was at this game here at Silverbacks Park. Um, so like I said, it was like five or six years ago, I think. And he's at the game watching the Cosmos play. And I just remember as I was leaving, I didn't know he was there, but <laughs> I didn't know he was there. But as I was leaving, I just happened to look over and I saw him sitting there uh, watching in the seat, just like a few rows below me watching, yeah. watching the game. And I was so nervous. I was with my dad at the time and I was so nervous because I recognized him. But I- and I wanted to like say hi to him. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like know. I didn't know what to do. I didn't I didn't want to like be rude to him i didn't know if he how he'd right. react uh and i remember actually similarly to you just happening to actually before we left maybe 10 minutes before we left i managed to find a ball and actually i did, I did the same as you i just sort of juggled it mm-hmm. on the field uh well the game was going on so it was like next to the field. next to the field okay yeah uh there's i mean you've been to some rex park but you know right. there's like an area that's like next to the field like worth like that's right next to the seats as well too yeah um, there are a couple areas like that. So I don't know if he saw me or anything. I have no idea. But I just went and just did that partially just to have something for me to do. So I wasn't standing there behind him just like an idiot, just yeah. not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, maybe he'd like see me or be like, hey, good stuff, kid. I don't know. Be discovered right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I have no idea if it worked. I have no idea if he saw me or anything. But as we left, I was just like, I was with my dad. I was just like, no, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna go say hi to him. Oh and wow! So I what? did. So you decided to actually go and say hi. This is like my chance to at least. Yeah, I'm just say hi. Yeah, like just so I could say that I said hi. I shook his head. 
Um, he's not like the most like he's a commentator still now for like the Cosmos and analysts occasionally for some Vegas networks. But and like I said, he was one of the earlier American stars during the seventies. But it's not like the same as going to see like Michael Bradley or even someone on Atlanta United right mm. now or something. Mm. Exactly. But still, he's like someone that people, especially American soccer historians, know about. And uh, so I just like, it'd be nice to just say I, I shook his hand or so. And so I did. And I just walked up and I just said, um, while he was sitting down, as I just said, uh, like I said, Mr. Messing, it's uh, I enjoy your commentary. I said, I, like, I really enjoy your commentary. He also commentates New York Red Bulls games. Actually, okay. Too. I'm a fan of them. <laughs> <It's not laughs> yes, <clear>. you are. <laughs> um, so it's just, like, I'm a big fan of your commentary and uh, and of you, and just like welcome to Atlanta. Hope your time's here. And he just like shook his hand and said thank you. It's very nice. And then I left. Nice. Did but, he give you some nice words? Um, no. <laughs> one, but still, it was, keep doing your thing, and one day you will. Be... I know. That's what I wish. I wish. Actually, there was a guy next to him. I don't know who he was. Some random guy. Yeah. But, was like, yeah, this is Shep Messing. After I did it, he's like, yeah, this is Shep Messing. You, you should, you should better be nice or something. Like, Thanks, man. Yeah, I know. Why do you think I came up to him? I know you who better he is. know who this guy is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, so it's not quite the same. But there's someone, I guess, a few one of the few times I've been kind of starstruck for a player. I was like, oh, it's so nice to get this close with a former professional, relatively big level player i mean this has to influence in one way you know yeah i mean there's this famous picture with wayne rooney walking out with everton when he's uh, i'm not sure 13 years old maybe younger mm. when he comes out on the field with the captains and there's a picture when the players and the captains are greeting each other right mm. with the ref and there's a photo of wayne rooney being that young going out to the pitch there is also pictures of Arda Turan, videos of Arda Turan being a ball boy, going to get the ball for uh, Galatasaray at the age of 14, 15. Mm. And he turned out to be turned out to be the captain at, at the age of 21 for Galatasaray. There is also Philip Lam mm. that used to be a ball boy. By me, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he look at his career. He's been dedicating all his life for this club. Yeah. And one famous, other famous one, I f believe it's Fabio Cannavaro. He used to be a ball boy from Napoli back in the days when Maradona wow. used to play. Wow. And, uh, you know, imagine just to be on that pitch with thousands of thousands of fans and you go out there, it has to affect you. Yeah. Yeah, in the best possible way. Yeah, I mean, it's been a dream of mine, for sure. That's why I'm like, you, I didn't know that you were a ball boy, for, even for Aldersburg. I mean, it, that's it pretty was a, cool. It was a low But still, low even division, then, so even like, then, that's was, still nice. Yeah. And and got that story out of it that you just told. Right. It's been a dream of mine to be a ball boy. It's like you're one of the luckiest people out there. You're luckier <laughs> right? than the thousands of people in the stands, because you're right there on the pitch. Uh, you go out with the players. In the tunnel with the players. In the tunnels with the players, yeah. You can kick a ball. You have a ball pretty much always. I guess you have to be focused because you have a job right. to do. But, I mean, you you have access to a ball pretty much all the time. <laughs> so you can just kick it around. <laughs> I mean, there are some funny, funny occasions when um, they filmed the tunnel, right? Yeah. And this one famous one I remember is a game between Chelsea and Liverpool. And, you know, the players are coming into the tunnel 
and standing in line. So this kid that has a Chelsea jersey right behind John Terry reaches reaches his hand out to greet Steven Gerrard, and Steve, and Steven Gerrard is uh, is reaching his hand out, and the kid is like. <laughs> Uh-uh, and put it on the, above his head, you know, and gives a wink. Graham describing a kick around the Chelsea mascot, a cheeky little monkey. Goes to shake hands with Gerard and then gives it that. Let's have another look at that. One of the greatest players in the world. No, and also, sorry, a third time, he gives him a cheeky little wink then. He must be, he must be related to Denny's wife, that kid or something. A Absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. You wouldn't have a palace mascot doing that, would you? Absolutely. I always wondered though, how do you get the chance to be in the tunnel? How do they pick these players? How do you get the chance to actually go out on the field? Do you do you know? No, I generally no, I don't know. Um how how people get picked to be ball boys or well, girls or people that go out into tunnels i think there's just some sort of organization or event that gives these opportunities to girls and boys to for them that allows them to go out onto the field with the players or that allows them to be ball boys i think some players or some kids have been ball boys like it's not just like a one-time thing like they've been ball boys for several games for mm. a while i think mm. um but yeah with that happened with our girls uh, yes, uh, what an amazing occasion! Yeah, this is past for, weekend for for the club and for the players. Yeah, with uh, that's one reason why I'm so glad that Atlanta United is in the soccer scene is here in Atlanta now, and of course, Silverbacks did it too, of course. Um, but the community outreach that Atlanta United has done will do in the future is something that a lot of kids can look forward to. Um, just like I remember a week ago or two weeks ago couple of our girls were saying how uh for the uh, mls's like greener goals project they a couple of our kids were saying how a few players went to their school and just like hung out with them at school and stuff and uh just this past weekend yeah at the Atlanta united game it was our uh ddy like day or night or so exactly at at the game and so for sure everyone all the kids that were in the tunnel and walked out onto the field with the players were uh, DDY players. They were, they were. DDY partner up with Atlanta United in this case to yeah. provide the players, the kids, they go out with the Atlanta United players. And what a great occasion for the players, man. Like you're around 9, 10, 11 years old and you get the chance to stand in front of that crowd and yeah. be a part of the national anthem and look out and see the crowd and kind of somehow inhale the atmosphere of professional soccer yeah, and kind of exactly. bring that into your DNA, kind of bring that into your body and remember the feeling that hopefully that could plant a seed. Yeah. And we were at the game and we were we went straight to um, to see two of our girls mm. in our team that were on that pitch. I mean, for, as a coach, that was a very proud moment that these two girls really got the chance to be on the pitch, hear the national anthem, see the crowd, and see, get the applause as they, you know, after the anthem, just run outside again. I right? know, yeah, yeah. And then walk, <laughs> I mean, be with all those players that yeah. were, I'm sure, very nice to them and, and all that. Um, and I know they were so excited leading up to it. A couple of them kept on, or one of them kept on, I heard one of them kept 
keep on bringing up during practices throughout the week how excited she was to (laughs) to, to go out and walk with the players. Great occasion for them, man. I'm very happy that we had two girls, and I'm very happy that our club did what really gave this chance to the girls thanks to Atlanta United. Yeah. And uh, we really hope that this inspired all the boys and girls that went out on the pitch to desire and inspire for progress in soccer, get better, seek a professional career, and kind of know this is what you will get and feel when you grow up if you become a soccer player. Welcome to the 16th episode of Oscars and King Soccer Podcast Show. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars? I can really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars? I can really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now. Yeah, let's pretend like it's 98. Like I'm eating lunch off a styrofoam tray. Trying to be the next rapper coming out the eight. Hoping for a record deal to ignore my pain. Yeah, now let's pretend like I'm on the stage. And when my beat drops, everybody goes insane. Okay. And everybody know my name. And everywhere I go, people want to hear me sing. Oh, yeah. And I just dropped my new album. On the first week, I did 500,000. Gold in the spring and diamond in the fall. And then the world tour just to top it all off. And let's pretend like they call me the greatest. Selling out arenas with big stages. And everybody loved me and no one ever hated. Just try to use imagination. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars? Let's just yeah. pretend and make wishes out of airplanes. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars? I can really use a wish right now. Wish right now. Wish right now. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars? I can really use a wish right now. Speaking of our girls and the great opportunity that they've been given. Uh, with Atlanta United this past weekend. Yeah. Um, it just sort of gets me thinking about how I was, particularly how I was once I was around their age, maybe a little bit earlier or older. Okay. Uh, just as I was growing up in the youth soccer scene in Atlanta. And I didn't really have, like, I want to, I know you're a diff- group different from me, but I kind of want to compare it to how you did, mm-hmm. how you grew up. Yeah. I didn't really have this sort of opportunities. Like I didn't, I didn't have Atlanta United at the time. I didn't have, I didn't, 
with all due respect to my coaches because I think I had some good coaches. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I didn't have anyone. I don't think I had anyone coach me quite the way that you and I are coaching these mm-hmm. girls. And uh, not to say that we're the best, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been it would have been nice to get this sort of take on on soccer that we're giving these girls. It would have been nice for me to have that sort of take growing up. So what do you mean? How was it when you were growing up? Well, I'll say, I guess that coaches that I had mm-hmm. all taught me. Um, they didn't really teach me ways to the right way to think about the game. I guess. Okay. They're not like they taught me the wrong way to think about the game. Okay. But I, maybe there was just a, not as much of an emphasis on a way to think about how to move, how to how to think, how to look forward, think you know forward thinking. Yeah. yeah. Um. Before I get, before I even get the ball, after I get the ball, um, I guess it was much more practical stuff, maybe like uh, technique, yeah, ball control. Yeah. Um, uh, also, I mean, some, I guess, a little bit of tactics in that. Like, one of my coaches definitely preferred it once we had the ball on the ground, not as many long balls, keep possession of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I did. I did understand that sort of tactical way of thinking. I suppose that mindset, and uh, also what to do once if I'm if I'm a left winger, what to do once I get the ball on the left side. Then my first thought shouldn't necessarily be to to rush things and okay. go forward, but okay. to be calm and look look around for a pass. Maybe start it, switch it, which is it good. Over. Which yeah, is good. Absolutely. Which is good. Um. So but, what are we doing then? Like, what are we? What do you see that we are trying to accomplish? Well, we give these girls a little, I guess, a little different, at least for the time being, or maybe a little more or so. So, I mean, what is it that we're doing? I'll ask you, what is it that we're doing that 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 I didn't quite get, and you told me that you didn't quite get? Yeah, as a kid. Yeah, I didn't get that much either, to be honest. You know, what we did was we were really playing so much in our recess hours and after school, so. We really got that street soccer mm-hmm. time, so that gave us a freedom to kind of explore soccer in our own way. We kind of dribbled, we kind of took shots, we kind of learned the game by our own. I never really had a coach that was like, um, "Hey, us, when you get the ball in this situation, control it in this way, open up here, look for a pass." Try to pass it to the body in front of it, and then go this way because you will eventually get it. Or this is how you actually receive the ball. You know, don't put your foot forward. Try to be smooth and kind of take it in instead. And as soon as you take it in, try to look up, try to find a pass, and try to straight come to the next step, the next move. I never really had a coach like that. You know, so what I think that, you know. We try to do. We want to do is teach the kids a core soccer understanding in the thought process, in the mind patterns, how it really kind of works, the way you think, instead of just like kicking it, just randomly、yeah. do things, randomly run, or not really know why you're doing it. I guess really we try to teach them the why of the okay, core. Yeah. You know, like I can say like this, right? Last season, I was in the first coach 
I didn't have that much to say. I was there to kind of look at how he's working, how the club is, and help around. And what struck me most was that we didn't do that much playing, not that much scrimmage, not Mm. that much um, play with the ball. Mm. And there was a lot of uh, ball skills, tricks, moves, dribbles, step over, you know, uh, do a Cruyff or do, you know, different moves with the ball. But my opinion is... There wasn't a lot of that. No, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. But my opinion is that doesn't really matter if you don't know the context to put it in. Mm. If you don't know the context when to use it. If you don't know when during the game or situation you're actually going to do a Cruyff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can only do it by playing. So for me, it's more about like, okay, let's teach the core essence of soccer and then all those skills will eventually come afterwards. Mm. Uh, if you look at the practices we do, what is the best that we do? What What are we good at doing? And, and uh, that kind of... I'd say uh, one thing that I think we do well mm-hmm. um, uh, is... I guess put them into try to, we emphasize that the girls need to be put into uh like a game sort of environment yes and they yes. need to come into practices let alone games with that game mentality right mindset um so that once they transfer everything they learn from the practices into a game mm-hmm. then they're ready for it they they're comfortable they'll know what to do exactly uh, so we give them a bit more experience for those situations. Yeah. So we didn't do that much scrimmage or playing last season. So what I thought that we could do more this season was, all right, let's take it one step back. Okay. What to do when you receive the ball? The real core of it, right? Like I always say three things to the kids. Look at the ball when you receive it second look up for a pass and pass Mm -hmm. and then open up and go to a free space yeah and the girls started to understand this after Mm -hmm. they really got this um, concept whatever you want to say concept Mm -hmm. uh, we started to say three things right we said what to do without the the ball ball. yeah and that's look at the ball and the player with the ball then try to find an open space or be an option and then call for the ball and obviously you will receive it then. So we kind of tie that circle in. Now they know what to do with the ball and without the ball, the, the thinking of it. The ball control, the skills, that comes itself in the possession drills that we do. Yeah that comes automatically in that thinking, that skills of receiving, the skills in passing, that automatically comes when they play. And then, um, you know, and what you see in most youth soccer is shooting. A lot of the girls or young players have a hard time to shoot because they don't really play soccer outside the soccer practice. Mm. And there's usually limited time for shooting. So how can we fit in shooting? 
I mean, we've been doing a lot of shooting too. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing at least 25, 30 minutes shooting. Yeah. Because if you don't shoot... Every practice, more yeah. or less, more or less. Yeah. If you don't shoot, you cannot score. And if you don't score, you cannot win. <laughs> but winning is not the important thing. It's the learning how to take a shot that is the important thing. Yeah. And we can only do it by repetition. I feel like we come to that point, right? We come to that point where they are keeping possession in the games. They are keeping, try to, they are trying to shoot. And uh, we've been playing against one H group above us this season, 9v9. Mm. How do you think the girl have tackled that? I think they've tackled it excellently, to be, to be honest. Um, I think they, they, last season, I assume they played seven. I just joined this season, so I was in their last season. So I assume they just played seven on yes. seven last year. Yes. Um, and they played seven on seven to start this year. And, uh, once I first saw them, yeah. So let's see the tournament, the preseason tournament a yes. couple months ago, uh, which was my first time around the time that I joined. I was very impressed with both teams because we coached both teams. I was very impressed with both teams. They definitely seemed to to, I guess, be more or less prepared with seven on seven. Mm-hmm. There's still some work that needs to be done, but they're they seem very accomplished with seven on seven. So then moving that into ninety nine. I remember the first game we did. Yeah. And I admit, I didn't think I said this out loud. I don't think I said it to you or anybody out okay. loud. But I admit, in my mind, I was a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, an age group, one age group above them, um, older than them. The bigger, uh, the stronger. Bigger, yeah, bigger field. Yeah. Different formations. I was, I was a little worried. I was just going to, I was prepared to just sort of take this game as, you know, uh, it's just a learning curve. Don't worry right. about it. Think of it as like nothing. Don't really think of it too much. Right. Uh, just be prepared for the next one. But I was so, so impressed with how they transitioned into that. So I was very impressed. They definitely said, I remember they said they were tired. Yeah. And I could see it. They definitely looked tired with the bigger field and such. They knew what to do once they got the ball. They knew how to play. They were. They seemed prepared. Exactly. So, uh, exactly. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you look at the games and you see that the players get more time with the ball. Yeah. So when they get more time with the ball and with this concept that we're teaching them, they be able to pass, open up to new space, give each other option, help each other out. So we saw that they were doing this. You know. I mean. I mean, with the uh, naturally, I think we'll get more time with the ball with. That just sort of naturally comes with a bigger field. Yeah, yeah, I think. it does. So from the beginning of the season, even before we started doing nine v nine, I think it was uh, beneficial. The way we were, were I guess our philosophy of us wanting to pass the ball around. Yeah, uh, try to keep possession of the ball as much as we could. Just be efficient with our passes. I think that those practices in the beginning of the first half of the season really benefited. It did. Once they moved, it to, did. It to did. Ninety nine. That's it how did. they were so prepared. It did. I guess. It did. And how it is now is how I look at it is we played like four or five um, games, ninety nine games. Yeah. And you know, to be honest, we we lost just one game and we draw all the rest like last minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like last second even, and uh, um. But when we look at it now, I feel like the girls have been really taking in that you need to be tough. You need to have a hard work ethic. You really need to work hard. You really need to 
win the ball back you cannot just jog you need to sprint back you need to do the hard things and you know that's a kind of like um uh keeps your concentration up yeah it keeps you focused so you up. need to want it you need to want it yeah. you need to want it and i think like we have managed to implement some type of uh, winning mentality or go in the girls yeah so they right now they have that strength to go out and even though the girls they're playing against a bigger they're really going out and can measure their own skills with them yeah we saw that it was some things with offense but we added a lot of offense too in our practice. So now they know actually what to do when they come into those situations on the final third too. Yeah, and I think both you and I, although we may, I think we may portray it differently. I think we both have a winning mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people do, to be honest. That's certainly something that uh, my coaches, I definitely got from my coaches growing up. Um, they def- I definitely remember... Uh, couple coaches really driving at home that you need to have the desire have mm-hmm. the right attitude to mm-hmm. you lose the ball get it back mm-hmm. like work your butt off to get it back mm-hmm. um if even if you don't have the ball make these runs give 110 exactly. percent effort exactly to make these runs off the ball even exactly. if you're not going to get it you need to make that run right. that's all comes with that winning attitude yeah. that uh that mentality that desire desire and uh so i think that's something that we are um, trying to, you know, drive home with the girls. Our yeah, girls. yeah. I mean, it's hard to teach them that. Yeah, it's hard sure. to like, hey, we need to have this drive. We need to have this motivation. It's hard to teach them that. They're too kind of young for it. But I think like our leadership and how we act and how we behave, how we are around the girls, kind of sets up an environment that is supporting them, that is caring. That is really uh, saying to them, it's okay to try and it's okay to yeah. make errors. That that sorry, that's I think one of the biggest things that I think that I'm glad that we do is that we give them a platform to express themselves. Express themselves. Yeah. Express themselves, and not only express, but also like not just do the soccer in one specific way. It's so many different options to yeah, play the yeah, game. Yeah. So we're not saying when you get the ball here, do this. And when you get the ball here, do that. We're really letting them to make the decisions. Yeah. And right. uh, we are at stage right now, I feel like now we have went to a stage where we're doing a lot of passing in repetition. Right? We're doing mm-hmm. a lot of passing, two passing drills with repetition, 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 which the idea is they will get more and more comfortable with receiving the ball, with passing, receiving, passing, to kind of build up more f- for them to be more relaxed, more comfortable when they get the ball. And with the concept before, I think we are going towards a really good foundation of core understanding of the soccer in the thinking which is something we want to really accomplish, you know? I think more and more coaches should think in this way. A good foundation to teach soccer to players that doesn't really play that much outside of practice. You know what? We have 30 minutes possession, we have 30 minutes shooting, and then we have 30 minutes scrimmage, you know? We divide it in in a good balance that keeps the entire area of soccer learning. Yeah, and um, 
us talking, you and I have talked even before our practices, after our practices, the games, whatnot, sort of about this topic. And uh, I've said to you, you said to me, that, yeah, we like, exactly the question that was asked at the beginning. Like, I, I didn't really have this sort of coach um, oh, yeah. uh, growing up. And I've always agreed with that. I've said, like, you know, I don't think I really had uh, had a coach like what we are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I could never really put my, I don't know why I couldn't really, I always said that before, but uh, I don't know why I couldn't really put my finger on it, exactly what it is that we're doing that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think that's kind of dif- difficult because I did have some good coaches. But, yeah, I think maybe the biggest thing mm-hmm. would be the... Um, the teaching them how to, like I've said, how to express themselves and teaching them the overall context of why you do something and when and and how it's not necessarily so, I think you said robotic, I don't remember, but yeah. how it's not yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. robotic and yeah. it can be very, very fluid. Yeah. Uh, but there are reasons why you do something and why you don't do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, I think what we do is we, we, during our practices, we show them, we give them that, we put them in that situation. Right, right. Uh, I totally agree, man. And for me, it's exactly what you said. But I also want to add one more thing that I felt like I didn't really have with my mm-hmm. youth coaches or coaches. And it's the actually support, you know, like the trust, the, the, kind of the friendship you may say you know never really had the coach that came to me and talked to me and were friendly ah, good job that was really well done or come to me and asking me about how school was or coming to me and asking me how what did you do this weekend or come to me and really kind of showed some type of care so kind of put that confidence in me you know like that I could look up to that I could like Oh, this guy is the best coach ever. He's so um, supportive. He gets happy when I score. He pushes me. He even, you know, I mean, there was this one girl after this weekend's game that came and with her sister, right, and told and said, "What can you know this girl do to get better?" Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know if you remember, but I said, "I gotta be totally honest. I'm gonna be totally honest here." If she passes more often, she's going to be excellent. Yeah. She's way, she's almost years ahead when it comes to technique and dribble and understanding. But she really needs to make passes. But she is like one of the best girls in the team. She has a bright future. She has the foundation already. But she really needs to pass more often. And I'm going to do everything I can to get her to that level. You know, she's right there. Her sister is right there. And I never had someone that was telling me, hey, look, you're fast. You're a good passer. You understand the game. You just have to give the time and effort to do it and just get better at your craft. And I'm going to be there. We're going to do it. Just let me know if you want to have extra practices or just uh, watch more soccer. Or did you see this? Kind of inspiring one way, you know? And that's kind of what we're hoping to plant in these girls mm. and and you know end of the day it's a long-term process and uh, some might quit some might not even play some might go become a ref i don't know 
Yeah. You know, there's so many different journeys these girls can go. But the girls that went on this pitch with Atlanta United, I really feel like they got that type of desire or interest now. What we want to go next season is to teach them more and more individual skills. Ball control, dribbles, and, sh- and more shooting. Because I think that's going to be a good combination with the team play that we're already doing. Hopefully we can come to that phase. But until then we gotta keep being caring and supporting. But what I'm fascinating about that I would like to talk to you about actually. Uh-huh. Um, which I think could be interesting. And um, I always had this drive. Me and Dio always had this drive to practice, to play to take the ball and go out and and just go to the backyard and kick the ball and juggle and kind of have this interest to learn soccer, right? And that is so hard to teach. Sure. You know, the desire of yeah. winning yeah. is hard to teach. Yeah. Like you, you mu- it's not like you must win this hard. It has to come from the inside. But that's a very common word used in the soccer world that is really hard to put a finger on you know it's a it's a word or a feeling that Which word? Which word? desire desire yeah desire like mm. they say a uh, lack of desire it wasn't des- much desire enough i'm like what, what what are you talking about i mean let's talk about this what is, what are you really saying you know like you say that you don't want to win I know. Yeah. yeah, you say <laughs> you say you don't have the motivation to win. Uh, you say that um, ah, you didn't even really feel like uh, going out there and do hundred percent, hundred fifty percent. I mean, what are you really saying here? What is that word desire that a lot of experts are using? I mean, let let's just you know, uh, let's just listen to who was it? I think it was Jan Fertongen, right? After the game this weekend, the big game, right? The big game between Tottenham and Arsenal. Right. The big game, John F- John Fertongen, the central defender for Tottenham, said, um, we wanted it more. Uh, and that's something I heard, like, uh, who said it? Fia Walker said it against Crystal Palace. They wanted it more hmm. than us. Or, or you know, you keep hearing this, but let's hear what Fertongen said right after the game against Arsenal. Yeah, and before the game, there must have been so much swirling around your minds. The last North London derby here, the title race as well, Chelsea winning. How did you put your minds to the task and do what you did? Yeah, like you said, it was a massive game in, uh, in so many different ways. And uh, we knew that, like Harry said, we showed uh, from the start we wanted to win this game, I think. We wanted to win more than... Uh, and then and that's what we showed. Uh, obviously, we wanted to stay in the title race. We want to secure a second spot as soon as we can. And uh, I think a great game. We created so many chances. Uh, I think second half, they, yeah, they had one, one shot on target. And uh, yeah, a great game in, uh, yeah, from, uh, from Hugo to Harry. So if I understand what you're getting at, what you're questioning, it's how can one team truly want something more like... Uh, uh, Vertonghen there said that they wanted it more than Arsenal did, but I mean, if I know you're getting at it, which I agree, I mean, they're all professional players, they all have ambitions, I assume they all have ambitions, they all right. should, so I mean, how could, I'm sure Arsenal wanted to win a North London derby just as much as Tottenham did, they mm-hmm. certainly didn't want to lose it, they didn't want to tie it, 
they wanted to win it. So how could like one team want something more than yeah. or want to win more than than their opponents? I don't know how that would how that. I mean, you hear it all the time too. You always hear you always hear that sort of that saying like one team wanted it more they um more than the other team or they just had more desire than the other team i guess really thinking about it that like there must be something more to it than that yeah something more right yeah like like i mean you don't like i just said you don't want to go out and lose the game <laughs> i mean so. it's end of the day it's the last game at the white heart lane yeah it's a chance to stop uh Tottenham from maybe winning the league yeah. and um, overall it's the massive big derby about north london yeah so it's it's weird to hear that um both teams are not really coming out to as A full force, full right? force you especially know? when <clears throat> one thing another thing that you hear all the time is during derbies how everything previous goes out the window and during a derby, anything can happen. Because both, even if Arsenal are in last place and Tottenham are in first place, Arsenal are going to go out there and try and do their best against Tottenham because it's the derby. So after that sort of, after, you know, uh, hearing that that saying go around, that concept go around, uh, hearing then one team want it more is is almost contradictory i guess yeah maybe, but I there was one situation in the first half that i was kind of like oh, are you kidding me this is where you're really gonna show a desire or really need to show um also where the comes around is passion right yeah um but it was when i think it was son on the left side and the ball was almost coming out and chamberlain chased him down and in my head what i would do is just to clip the ball just slide tackle get the ball out to throw in yet he ran all the way to him and with like just one touch son almost like not made him and went straight into uh, the penalty box took yeah. a shot uh, goalie check saved it came out to Ericsson and he missed it. Yeah. He, you know? So that was kind of like a scene or situation in that game that I wish, like, man, show it. Like, really show that toughness. Show that you want to win that ball. Show that you're going to get it no matter what. I you remember the same players. This is what I thought you were going to get to, but that as well. Sun in the first half on the left side. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... There's a ball, I think it was like a long pass, like a switch okay. um, from somebody on the right side. And the ball was surely going to go out of bounds. Surely it looked like it was going to go out of bounds for an Arsenal throw-in, I think. Okay. Uh, but Son, like, let's just say, huffed and puffed, and he got to that ball, and he uh, just put his foot on it and kept it from going out of bounds. Mm. He lost the ball, I mean, because then I think it was Gabriel was, who chased him down. Was then just like right there, and he just took oh, it. Right, in yeah, yeah, space, yeah. You know I mean? now, yeah, yeah, yeah. He but, did a corner. He did a corner flag. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. I think Son Son just sort of like slowed it down and yes. kept it off the corner flag. Yes, but and then he, he like momentum took him off like towards the stands. Yeah, and Gabriel just had all this time. But Son, I mean, I was very impressed with the hustle that Son yeah. showed there yeah. to get to that ball that seemed destined to go out of bounds. Um, so these are, I guess, the things that you know the. That people are looking at once they see that Tottenham really wanted it, and I mean we were just mentioned that with our girls that we try to instill this 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 mentality that they have to want it. Yeah. Um, but to want it, I guess it's the fact that more 
to want it more, more wanting more than someone else. So we're getting somewhere. It's kind of like wanting more than the other, right? Yeah. But it's still, strange. it's still like when you know when I played soccer, it was like as a soccer player, you know, I can say from my experience, it's like you do whatever you can do too. You know, you really try the best of your ability in one way. Yeah. So. The, everything comes down to all sorts of like skills and tactics and you know maybe even what you ate that day how you slept the day before so many different factors but i really want us to focus more on like the will or the desire in it right because you can always um push yourself motivate yourself for big games or games in general which i think all these players are already yeah, doing I, so I assume so um but still, this word desire comes back in again. I hear it all the time. Like, even in the studio, they were speaking about it. You know? Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it later. I saw it after the, the talking about uh, uh, desire. I think it was Frank Lampard mm. uh, was talking about. He actually, I guess he kind of agreed with us in, in a way. Yeah. He said he doesn't really like the word desire. But, um... But yeah, they're talking about how uh, Tottenham had more desire, apparently, and than Arsenal, and just seemed to want it more, and had more passion, you know, all that. And Frank Lampard is, um, what he has done for soccer, I, it's very hard to see anyone else would come and accomplish the same in English soccer, right? And he kind of describes what the desire is in this video. Mm. So I think it would be interesting to... Look at this, okay? Is it because they're not natural defenders? That's, well, I think it's desire. I think it's mm. desire. I don't care whether the defender is in the forward in that position, that ball drops. He's already, I mean, there's a quality to what Deli Alli's done, obviously, because yeah. he's sharp and he's off the mark. But when the ball drops, there's three defenders. There. Where does that desire come from then, Frank? We hear the word a lot in football. I don't like it either, because a lot of people say, oh, passion, desire. I've been in teams where that's been thrown at me, and I don't agree with it, because you go, well, we, we just got beaten by the better team. But all of a sudden, when you see body language, and you see slow reactions, and you see... Uh, passengers, Jamie said Tottenham don't have any today, Arsenal did have passengers uh, and you come to a North London derby here, that's the first thing you cannot have is passengers, the first thing you have to do is work hard, tackle, Arsenal fans can go away and probably accept a defeat at Tottenham, at the moment they're probably thinking it could easily happen, but when they don't give everything, when the reactions are slow, there's walking, there's passing off the pitch and all that stuff, then that's a different story. Uh, yeah, I think, I, for listening to that, I do agree a lot with what uh, Frank Lampard said there, I mean, if you told if you told someone like him him if he lost a game like this if he was in that Arsenal team this weekend and he lost that game I definitely don't think it would have been through a lack of desire or a lack of passion or anything like that it's exactly like you just said for this game Tottenham were just better they're yeah. just the better team um and I I can't accept that I guess as an Arsenal fan I think Tottenham are a better team at the moment much as it uh, sucks to say, they yeah. are the better team. Yeah, but <clears throat> I think we have to differentiate. I think when people say desire, they think about like what Tottenham did, what uh, Hyunmin Son did, like we just talked about, mm -hmm. fighting for every ball, you know, busting your butt off for every ball, for every tackle, scrapping, being willing to fight. I think we have to separate desire from that sort of, I guess, intensity and physical sort of play. Because that's what Arsenal lacked, I think. They, I guess they just lacked that physical sort of uh, style of play. I think they wanted to win. They had the desire to win, the want to win, just as much as Tottenham did. Mesut Ozil, I think, has the want, wanted to win that game. 
So but what he's is not, it? But he's just not the type of player that will go into a scrap like Deli Alley would or something like that. So what is it? Is it mentality or the physicality of the game? In this specific game, I'd say it was the physicality. Physicality. Of, yeah. Or just the style of play. Because Ozil has won a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's never been that sort of physical type of player. So that's worked for him in the past. And it may work for him again in other games in the future. But in this particular game, it wasn't the mentality. It was just that the, his way of playing just didn't work out in this game. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And his way of playing, sorry, is just... Interesting. Uh, it, it lacks that physicality to it. I Interesting. Guess. Interesting. I think I understand what you're saying. You say, I hope what, so. <laughs> what, you try, what you're saying is more like uh, uh, the intensity and the aggressivity of the, you know, the what the style of Tottenham is playing doesn't really fit Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, with the quality of players they had, like Aaron Ramsey in the middle, right? Uh, Alexis Sanchez, Giroud on the top. Right. And Ozil, and and what those four will try to create as the chances is definitely do- you know more of, about like a good cross to let's say a good cross to um, Giroud, but that would be you have to come into an area where you can make those good crosses too, and that doesn't give that much space for Ozil to get into those chances or create those chances because as soon as he gets the ball. He has one or two players sure. on him. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how you know how Tottenham play. That's credit to Tottenham for not giving him those sort of spaces or pushing him out into spaces where he may get the ball, but he that's not the sort of area where he wants to operate. I guess. I still think. I still think is um, also like um, if you know what to do and you know your role in the team, for sure, uh, it definitely will help. Like, I'm just thinking about like. Chelsea, right? Like Chelsea probably played with max 17 players this season. You always know <laughs> what kind of 11 they will start start with. You know, you have Kante and Matic in the middle. You have Pedro and Hazard with Costa yeah. on the top. Yeah. You know that Victor Moses and Alonso. I mean, they played all season, man. Week in, week out, they get better and better at it, and they also know kind of what to do on the pitch. Um, but they also have imprinted a winning mentality, and that can only come from the players. Mm. Like you heard uh, in that same interview, they were talking about passengers. Yeah, you know, right. they were talking about. Uh, I also read these several articles, and experts are saying. Arsenal players are too comfortable. And that's also like, wait a minute. Are they really too comfortable? I would say like players similar to Alonso, Victor Moses, um, Costa, Matic, Kante, David Luiz. They are comfortable. Mm. Mm. They are comfortable because they know that they will play every week. Uh. You know, yeah. they know what to do when they play. Mm. They know the role on the field, outside, inside, everything. Yeah, I think that's good. You know? Yeah. And while you look at Arsenal, with so many different players that starts, we can we can only kind of say that we have 
really two or three players that you know will start no yeah. matter what. Yeah. And there, Peter Cech, Alexis Sanchez, and Özil. Yeah. The rest is like kind of open paper, you know? And yeah. it's, uh, I think if you're really comfortable with your position and you know that you have the trust from the coach, you can build that winning desire. Right. I think, uh, uh, I think you're onto something. I think you're spot on there. I never really thought of it before because uh, I like a lot of these experts that we hear all the time saying Arsenal is too comfortable. I think they're referring to like Arsenal, Arsene Wenger's comfortable, the board of directors are comfortable, yeah. let alone the players are comfortable yeah. are with just getting into the top four, getting the nice money that they get paid, uh, just getting past the group stage of the Champions League. They're just comfortable with that. Uh, but I think you're right. I mean, with is Danny Welbeck really comfortable when he <laughs> plays really well one game? Yeah. And maybe two games in a row. And then yeah. for like seemingly no reason, he's dropped to the bench the right. next game. Is or... Chamberlain comfortable <laughs> with playing in the middle, sometimes on the right, now yeah. like a right fullback? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think you're right. These They're uncomfortable, it seems like. Exactly. I think so, too. Uh, whereas, yeah, the continu- con- continuity... I have trouble with that word sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> continuity. I'm not, in the, I'm not even going to try to say it. <laughs> uh, the continuity of Chelsea, of Tottenham, of other clubs in Europe like like Juventus or you know, Atletico Madrid. That continuity and that stability, I think that's what really brings that's comfort. Yeah, yeah. really brings comfort. To I them. mean, talk about Real Madrid a bit, Kerry. Mm. I mean... You know, I guess, just going by players on the starting lineup, you know about the BBC, obviously, that yeah. set. And then you know in like the center, central midfield, you've got Casemiro, who's just so essential to the club. Um, Casemiro lying deep, and Modric and Tony Cruz mm-hmm. uh, mostly going to be to be in that central, in that uh, a little bit more of a free role floating around in that midfield. But then you know that Isco or... Uh, uh, Asensio um, or Lucas Vasquez all very quality players that may not start all the time will get their opportunities and you know once they do get the opportunities then they're going to produce you, yeah. can, you can have that trust in them Yeah, and uh, you also know that once Benzema is not available to play yep. or injured you have Morata yeah. you know Kwame's can come in with right. his left foot and change the game and even Marcelio Sergio Ramos are really set. They are really set in that back fourth. Yeah. You're not going to move them. No. It's not going to happen. And that that is telling me there is a good and strong stability in that team. Right. The players are comfortable. They know the roles. They know what to do. But that needs to come in with a personal motivation if you may say a personal desire to actually win you know like you see very often this season that Real Madrid comes back the last minute goals they um, under with 1-0 they come back 2-1 yeah just this past weekend Marcelo they're tied Marcelo with a late goal winning exactly exactly and that's something that's a picture drawn by the coach. You know, that's a 
picture or you almost say to put in a belief in these players okay. to give this desire to show that they are actually the winners of the Champions League or the winners of La Liga. Like everybody is kind of working for it, you know? Yeah. And every game has that importance now. That's the stage we're in. Right. And uh, there are, it has to be tough for like uh, middle teams, if you may say. Mm. They just, they try to gain points to, you know, come higher up on the league, I guess. Yeah. But it's the same correlation you can do with the bottom teams. Whenever they play against good teams, they really do the best because they want to survive. Yeah, yeah, and they want to prove themselves that uh, we don't deserve to be this low on the table and that we can compete with the big boys. One thing that's uh, another thing that you hear a lot, especially for champions, is how difficult it is to repeat as champions. Mm. Um, it's been done before, but they say it's a lot harder. I've heard the saying that it's a lot harder to stay on top after you than it is to get to the top. And Real Madrid are, I mean, <laughs> like you just mentioned, I believe probably Zidane is, is painting this picture of we are Real Madrid. We are the most successful club in European oh, Champions League. Yeah. Most successful club in yeah. La Liga. The biggest club in the world. Yes. Uh, that has that has got to add to that drive, that mentality for them to keep doing what they do, even though they're on top. They keep doing what they do, and that they want to stay on top. And they're on course right now. This season, it'll be tough, but they are on course to repeat as Champions League the first time ever that ever, a club yeah. will repeat as Champions League. Winners. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. Two years in a row, that will be a huge accomplishment for Real Madrid. And then, you, yet, you have to look into the players too, right? Right. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo is so hungry to continue, continuing it. <laughs> <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo is so eager about keep winning. I mean, it just shows in it. So, is that belief into win? So, then this question is like, teams like, let's say, Inter, let's say, Milan, they draw... The draw against Empoli this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Inter, they still have quality players, but can they all see where they want to go? Like, let me tell you this. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you think Wolbeck thinks that I'm going to score more goals than Tirone at this club? I'm going to be the best striker in the world. I mean, what I really want to get to is um, Arsenal have. I know it's a lot of talk about Arsenal, and it is actually a very big topic and yeah. phenomenon in modern soccer. Yeah. So it's pretty. So hopefully, it doesn't just sound like just because we're Arsenal fans. We're, exactly. Where it's the only reason why we talk about Arsenal so much, but it's a uh, very unique case. It is a very interesting situation. Yeah, and if you look at the squad, right, you have a lot of players that've been at the club for uh, a good time, a couple yeah. of, uh, more yeah. than like. Three, four years, some of yeah. them. Yeah, Ramsey, but well back. Yeah, Koscielny, uh, Koscielny, Bellerin, Bellerin. Yeah. Um. So you have you have a few players that binder, and uh, the taste of titles, or the sure. taste of yeah becoming maybe 
one of the players in the Ballon d'Or starting 11 that drive to be the best. You just hear Sanchez speaking about it. Yeah, I know. You know? Uh, uh, I mean, I wonder if... Don't get me wrong, I love that Danny Welbeck is at Arsenal Oof. and not at Manchester United, um, who I guess are, at the moment, starting to go through some similar... like a similar situation, a similar lack of titles. But I wonder if Danny Welbeck, who grew up through the Manchester United system, while Alex Ferguson and Sir Alex Ferguson and Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, Cristiano Ronaldo were all at the club, and then he started playing for this club with, I believe, along with Van Persie was there, I believe, um, uh, and some other big name players. I wonder if at this point, that point in his career, while he's still at United, then that that ambition, or not that ambition, but that taste for success was very real seemed a lot more you know uh reachable i guess that was a lot more real to him than it is since he's come to arsenal and again i love that he's at arsenal but uh, Manchester united are a club you know that have ambition it's an interesting way to look at it man yeah but as arsenal in their current situation even though some of the players may be may we're arguing the players have that drive to win um like the club itself, the board itself may not really care that much as long as they're comfortable with being that sort of average team that they are right now. So I wonder if Welbeck can can feel that. He can feel that he's farther away from success at Arsenal than he was at Manchester United. But um, you said that does Danny Welbeck, and we're talking about Danny Welbeck a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> but you, you asked does Danny Welbeck have that intention of or have that possibility of being surpassing Thierry Henry as Arsenal's top uh, goal scorer. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he does. He's still mm-hmm. he's not too. He's still like twenty six or something yeah. like that. So he's uh, he's still got some time to develop into a very uh, top quality player. Um, I already think he's a good player. But let's look at going back to Tottenham again, a club that is on the up and up. They clearly have this nice ambition, uh, this nice drive. Um, they want to win. They want success. Not just the not just the board, not just the coach, but all the players. And then I look at Harry Kane in particular, and uh, how he wants everything. He's still young, twenty three or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, he's still a young player that he, that's proven himself the past couple of years in the Premier League, and he wants to keep going. He wants to win titles and wants to win goal scoring championships and. Uh, goal scoring titles and such so he wants more he wants more and he wants to he doesn't want to want to want to settle if i say think about you and the team in three years what would you like to have or how do you see that team going and yourself going i just want to win i want to win trophies i just want to win there's not i don't think there's a day that goes past where I wake up and think I want to win something. I want to win the Premier League. I want to win the Champions League. I want to win the FA Cup. I want to win. And in three years' time, if I haven't won a few trophies by then, I think it'd be disappointing. When you walk in the training ground, there's got to be a wall saying <laughs> Premier League winners or FA Cup winners or European winners or whatever. That's that's got to be the next. Which one do you want the most? The league. I think the Premier League. It's the season, you know, you, you've played 38 games. It's a long season, it's a tough season. 
to come out with that Premier League, that Premier League title would be would be incredible. But also, as I'm, I'm sure you know, I don't need to remind you, it's extra special. It's the last derby at the lane. That's why I think it's going to be incredible because the atmosphere is going to be probably like no other London derby because we, we obviously we're unbeaten at home this year and uh, Arsenal would not be the team that I'd want that to end against. I wonder what the definition of desire really is. Can you just look it up on a dictionary what it means? Got the iPhone ready. Uh, Google. Um, search. Search. Desire. Noun. Of course. A strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. That's exactly what Hurricane just said, isn't it? Yeah, essentially. Yes. And you have to say it. You have to you have to really say it, man. You know? You have to say like I want to be I want to be a Premier League winner. I want to be the right. world's best player. I want to win Champions League. We want to win it. You know, you really have to say it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I want to uh, catch up to Alan Shearer's record, goal scoring. Exactly, record. exactly. You have to say it, right? You have mm. to really speak about it. And uh, um, if you, the hardest part is if you, I mean, look, my desire, my wish, I want to win World Cup with Sweden. Right. But I know I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so. That 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 step is huge. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, in my case, it's impossible. But if you play for a club that not really making to it, That's you know, like middleish, middleish, and you still kind of keep the desire to have it, but you mm. don't really feel it. You wish it. We're really talking about you. Really need to feel it. Okay. You know, you yeah, really need to feel that. It's going to happen or possible to happen and talk about it, speak about it, and the entire group is going to do it. And you all together goes out to that field and really pushing with your body language, with your physicality, with the hard work, with the work ethic to really do the best you can to make that wish a feeling end of the season. Mm. You really need to get in that concept in the team. So you think that's maybe what separates the best of the best from the others? It does. Because uh, I think maybe maybe you're right. That might be, you might be onto something. I take someone like me. Okay. And once I was a lot younger, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Yes. I went out and played. I, I didn't normally always have someone else to play with. I just sort of played by myself. Yeah. Um, but I would always go out in the street and kick or in our front yard and kick a ball around pretty much every day. And I definitely uh, had the want to, uh, or maybe it was just the wish, to to be a professional soccer player, mm -hmm. to play for the U.S. national team in mm -hmm. uh, and Arsenal, mm -hmm. uh, New York Red Bulls. <laughs> oh, man. And Atlanta, too. All right. this was before Atlanta United was right. a thought. But um, I definitely had that, that, that want or maybe that wish only and uh didn't work out for me so i wonder what if that's if that 
lack of a want is what prevented me from from really taking it further from prevent what prevented so many other people from really taking it further it's tough it's a tough to touchy subject i know but i mean uh, you know it's hard to answer this i I remember i remember when we went to a soccer tournament and i really wanted to you know score 10 goals or 15 goals throughout this tournament and really like shine and really be the best and throughout my time I always wanted to be as best as I can be. So mm. I kind of automatically set a level, right? Because I don't really know how good I can be. I just try to be as best I can be. But when you hear Alexis Sanchez, Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, they all say and think, I want to be the best in the world. Mm. I want to be the best. Yeah. I mean, they put that category, the entire world, the best in that European scene. They want to be the top, top. And they still want to do it. They still have that yeah. clash in between them, right? right. And uh, the desire of me, for instance, not maybe going or to Turkey for tryouts, or go to different places for tryouts, to actually try it. Is it the desire or the lack of belief that I can actually do it? Or... Mm-hmm the lack of I cannot see and feel that I can do it. So it's pretty amazing to see Wayne Rooney being a ball boy going out on the field and kind of tell him tell him at that age, you know what? One day I'm going to be on this pitch and score. Or maybe yeah. Arda Turan. Um, one day I'm going to get this ball from a ball boy and be the captain of Ali Samiye of Istanbul, of one of the best teams yeah. in Turkish soccer. And maybe our girls this weekend can grow up and say, one day I will play in front of 40,000 people. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that uh, certainly I think plays a part is the coaching, the, the environment that you grow up in well i think i had very good coaches there was something to my environment that whether it be i don't know maybe maybe it was coaches maybe it was just other players that i could play with uh maybe it was just my neighborhood but something in my environment that i lacked that i think definitely uh helps propel these other any young player any potential young player uh rise to the top (laughs) It's not often I, you know, think about all those dreams that we used to have as a kids to become a soccer player and it didn't really happen, you know? Mm. And we're not alone. No. Yeah. We so many out there. And it could be the lack of support from the coaches, it could be the environment, it could be the circumstances, so many different things, the right. luck and everything. And uh, I think we are trying to do our best right now with giving this foundation to our girls. And hopefully they reach a level that we can look back and be proud over. Right? Right. I think so. Because that's all I think we could ask for. Yeah.
thank you for listening to the 16th episode of Oscarchan King Soccer Podcast Show. We've been real with you from the first episode until now, and we're going to keep being real with you. We're going to keep having dreams, keep believing, and keep producing good storytelling content from the fans to the fans. And that's you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to our backgrounds, our dreams, our hopes, and our analysis that we do. Thank you, guys. Until the next episode. Hey, door. Goodbye. Hey, door. <laughs> <laughs>